Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings number 297. Hope everybody is happy and healthy out there. Had a great week. Uh, Mets are still struggling. Uh, let's face it, the season's over, folks. But it uh, doesn't stop the injuries from happening, that's for sure. Uh, today, a very scary scene. Michael Conforto, in his third at-bat in today's game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, Took a swing at a, a pitch, missed it, and went down like he was shot. Very scary scene. Let's take a look at it here, courtesy of SNY and MLB.com. There he goes down to the ground. He laid there for a couple of minutes on the ground. And just a terrible scene. And can the Mets' luck get any worse? Maybe it's time to get an exorcist or something for City Field because this is terrible. Now he, he grabs the shoulder. There's the swing, a view from the top, and uh, just awful. He goes down. They, they helped him off the field. He did not move his left arm. He held it tight. And, of course, the medical report came back as a dislocated left shoulder could be a couple of weeks. Who knows? May need surgery. Uh, they're hoping not. But uh, they just mentioned another former Met, Daryl Cicilline. I think that's how you say it. Who, who was here a couple of years ago in outfield. He had the same injury and is out for the season. He had to have surgery. So first you have to find out whether he's ever had this before. Is this something out of the ordinary? Is it something that's happened to him before and could happen uh, consistently again? A lot of questions now to find out. Ronnie Darling said it could happen again. They pop it back in, but it's very sore and it takes time to heal. And then you got to build it up. Can he strengthen it in such a way that it won't do it again? I don't know. I mean, uh, we will have to wait and see what the results were, is going to be with Michael Conforto now. And he just started, he was in a slump, and he started to get a couple of hits again. He missed a game with a thumb issue, came back, had a couple of hits with a couple of RBI last night, looked like he was going to get out of it. Uh, had two strikeouts today against the lefty, but he always managed to get a hit or something. And uh, to have this happen now, it's just terrible. Terrible. It, it couldn't have been at a worse time, and... You know, maybe they're better. Maybe it was a good time. Maybe they're better off just shutting him down for the season and uh, letting him him just rest it and come back next year in spring training. And speaking of guys who sh probably we thought was going to get shut down for the season, David Wright actually played in a game. David Wright, yes, I, I've said that right. Number five, the captain. David Wright was the DH and went hitless in four at-bats with single A St. Lucie uh, two nights ago. It was the first time he played in the game since May 2016. He did reach base on an error and struck out twice with high A St. Lucie. Lucie 
Uh, he said he intends to return to the Mets this season, though Alderson was skeptical it could happen with so little time left in the season. I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they got a deal. Maybe he's going to retire. Uh, he, we don't even know if he can throw. And unfortunately, in the National League, there's no DH, or fortunately, not unfortunately for David Wright. So he would have to play a position and throw. And he's been ta taking balls at first base, but now we got Dominic Smith. So we, we'll see how that all plays out. A uh, friend of mine uh, said, wouldn't it be great if he comes back and pinch hits the last game, the last home game of the season? and wins the game or gets a hit and then says he's going to retire. That would be terrific. Uh, not that he's retiring, but if he got the hit in his last at bat, uh, we'll see. But David Wright in a game, it's uh, pretty neat. And one guy who's not going to be in a game the rest of the season is Steven Matz. He underwent season-ending surgery to move the ulna nerve in his left elbow, the surgery was a success. It's the same surgery that Jacob deGrom had last offseason. Um, and it's it's moved. The ulnar nerve is moved to relieve discomfort. And apparently he was pitching through significant pain at times, according to Mark Carrig of Newsday, who said Matt's insisted on pitching through it, even though his elbow was swelling up and he had a shortened bullpen session and skip others entirely. Um, I guess that they leave it up to the pitcher, and uh, not always the right decision because they, uh, of course, want to play. But uh, in this case, it wasn't the right decision. Maybe he should have had it done at the beginning of the year when it first flared up, and he could be coming back now or... It would have been just another lost year, but uh, he'll get it done now. He had the surgery done, so he should be ready for spring training. I think DeGrom had it done in, in September of last year or something, maybe even a little bit later, and he was he's fine. So uh, now it, Matt's is going to have the same surgery. Um, boy, they, they're, <laughs> their orthopedic bills have got to be sky high. Uh, Mets right-handed pitcher Noah Syndergaard was supposed to throw a live batting practice on Wednesday, but that has been pushed back, according to Terry Collins. The move is a precaution, added Collins, who said Syndergaard is expected to throw in the next day or two. Uh, Alderson said on Monday, Syndergaard is making progress, but that rehab starts have not yet been planned. Now, he is going to Port St. Lucie. He will throw live batting practice, so it's probably just a matter of time. They're just going real slow and uh, hope that he re doesn't re-injure They're going to try to get him back. Uh, one guy that we're going to see very soon, possibly this weekend, um, my guess is he'll be uh, reinstated on uh, Friday for the Capitals, and that's Jarese Familia. He pitched a scoreless inning for short season A single A Brooklyn 
on Wednesday night, his second rehab outing in as many days. He pitched Tuesday and Wednesday. Familiar threw 13 pitches, 11 which were strikes, and allowed one hit. He induced a ground out, a fly out, and struck out one batter. He has now played in four games since undergoing surgery to repair a blood clot in his shoulder. He threw a 1-2-3 scoreless inning with the Cyclones on Tuesday nights. He went back-to-back nights, and that's the big test. If he can do that, now they're all going to bring him back. So he's going to be activated uh, Friday, and uh, he'll be in Washington with the New York Mets. So somebody's coming back, and and Matt Harvey is uh, coming back. He's going to make his third rehab start Saturday. I think it's his third. Uh, for High A St. Lucie, the Mets projecting an early September return for Harvey. Um, he uh, they want the team wants him to throw eighty to eighty five pitches during his next rehab start. He had that scapula injury, and uh, he allowed two runs on four hits in three innings for Double A Binghamton on Monday in his third rehab start. So this will be his fourth on Saturday. And his fastball during the start ranged from 89 to 93 miles per hour. And his breaking ball did not look very good. A scout told Ken Rosenthal of uh, Fox Sport. The same scout added that Harvey seemed to be struggling with his release point. So that's going to be rust and that's going to be uh, things mechanics that he's going to have problems with, and he's had problems with that all year. But he's going to have problems with that until they can iron that out, and the best way to do that is constant pitching. So uh, we'll see how that goes for Matt Harvey as he's trying to uh, go uh, and make it back. And uh, Mets are playing a doubleheader on Sunday, and the team is looking for a starter in the nightcap. Seth Lugo, they hope, will be ready to go and be activated for that game. He's going to throw a bullpen tomorrow. But if he's not available, there is a chance that former Cyclone and Binghamton Rumble Pony starter Marcus Molina will get the start. If so, it will be the second time this season the Mets have pulled a pitcher from Binghamton to make a Major League debut. Uh, the first one was Chris Flexen, of course. And uh, Flexen is begin, beginning to pitch better as of late. I guess he had a little nerve problem. You know, it's nervous when you come up. He's a kid. You come from Double A and you're thrown into the Major Leagues. And he's struggling his first couple of games. He's been pitching much better lately. Pitched a very nice game against Miami and lost. Pitched a good six innings yesterday and uh, won the game last night. So Flexen may be coming around, and that could be another name for the future that we have to remember. Um, Molina is a highly touted uh, rookie. You've seen him pitch in uh, Brooklyn and was very good and got sidetracked by a Tommy John surgery. And on the season this year, Molina has made 14 starts between St. Lucie and Binghamton with one relief appearance. Overall, he's 4-9 with a 2.98 ERA and a 1.147 whip and a 7.0 K-9. to 
So uh, Molina was acquired by the Mets as an international free agent out of the Dominican in January of 2012. He was recently ranked by uh, Mets Miners News as the 17th best prospect in the Mets farm system. So um, we may get to see Marcus Molina and see what he can do uh, on this level. Again, it's a big jump, and it's tough for these kids with such a big jump, but you know, it's it's part of the action, and if you want to make the team, uh, then there you go. You gotta you gotta take that step and and prove you can do something. This is now the end of the season, and this is the time to prove yourself. Show them what you got. Show them you can play on this level, and uh, who knows? You know, maybe maybe. You force the team to do something like make a move by uh, trading one of the pitches next year for something else that you may need, some other piece you may need, maybe uh, a catcher. Though Plowecki has been look, he's been hitting the ball pretty good throughout a runner today. He could uh, if he could hit, he could disengage Darno because I think his defense is better than Darno uh, from what I've seen. And uh, that's if he could hit a little bit of 250, 260, I think he can beat out Darno, but he's got to hit and be consistent. So, um, but they may want to bring in another catcher, a veteran. Maybe they want to bring back Rene Rivera to handle some of the pitches. Or maybe they've turned the corner on that and going to stick with the two young guys. That That's all talk for another day. That, that'll be the winter, the hot stove talk. But. Uh, for now, you know, if, if Molina can make an impression, Flexen is ma- making an impression, Gizelman has started to pitch well again, reminiscent of last season. Uh, Lugos has struggled. He, he's been brilliant in spots, but has been struggling with, with the elbow injury and, and um, uh, who knows what else he's had, but uh, whatever this last thing was. So, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing there's some other pieces there. And there are more pieces, but they're at a lower level in the minor leagues right now. And But, you know, maybe you take some chances and bring guys up from double A. See what, what they can do. I mean, it worked so far with Flexen. He hasn't been, you know, horrible. Uh, look, he's better than Tommy Malone at this point, I think. Um, if they want to bring Molina up for one, it would be one start and see how he does. And, and and if he did well, maybe they would take Malone out of the uh, the rotation and put in uh, Molina. I don't know. With that, That's up to them, and we'll see where they go with that. And one more bit of news before we uh, take a break. Mets shortstop Jose Reyes, Ioannis Cespedes, and Estrubal Cabrera led a hitters-only meeting the other day in an effort to motivate the team to play better. According to Dave Lennon of Newsday, the three veterans veterans reminded the younger players that there are still opportunities for them down the stretch and that they should respect the fans who pay to watch them play. And uh, good, good leadership there by the only remaining veterans on this team, everybody else got traded. So uh, uh, guys telling uh, the young guys, you know, hey, 
We may be out of it, but there's still an opportunity for you guys to show your stuff and to show this organization, this team, what you have and uh, plan for your future because uh, this is the time. And, and it's a great thing because the rosters haven't expanded yet. There's still another week. So these guys get a chance to play against teams that are in a hunt and have not expanded their roster and having 50 guys on the roster, 40, and and not the same caliber. They're going against top-caliber guys right now, and that's a good thing for them, and it's a good thing for the Mets because they're gaining major league experience. So when they come up again, if they're sent down next year, if they don't begin the year, or if they think they can make an impression now, um. It's it's good for them, and I have to tell you, some of the guys that have made an impression, Brandon Nimmo continues to impress me. He always finds a way of getting on. It seems he does a good job. He's he's a good outfield, and I think he's raised some eyebrows here that people thought he was uh, maybe a, a um, not an everyday player and a miss uh, in their draft. But I think the, there's some minds being changed, and he's doing a fine job at that. Uh, impressed with him. I'm a little disappointed in Rosario. I'm I'm impressed and at the same time a little disappointed. I think he's uh he's uh, sometimes his fielding seems to be like he's not not focused. And I'm sure Jose Reyes will talk to him about that. They'll work on that. His backhand is still not the best. They'll work on going to the right. I'm sure of it, I, I'm, and I'm sure Jose's going to spend a lot of time with him. Um, may even spend some time in the off season with him to learn to you know to go over these things and and get better at these things. But he's shown flashes of great range and a great arm, and uh, he's 21. You know, he's a kid. He's a baby. So. Uh, They'll work with that because the talent is definitely there. Uh, Gavin Ciccini, in really small doses, has played very well uh, as well at second base. So um, he, he's managed to get some hits and stuff. So he could be thrown into the mix for that second base job with uh, Cabrera if they pick up the option or Jose Reyes if they re-sign him. Um a lot of options there, and uh, very impressed with those particular guys so far. And I'm sure we'll see some more. They'll have to probably bring up an outfielder, though Matt Reynolds played outfield the other day um, against the uh, um, the Diamondbacks. He made his first start out in uh, right field. So uh, maybe they're going to have him play some more outfield. At least he's there to play. So, all right, let's take a break at this point and come back with our, my guest uh, right after these messages. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? 
Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now, don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a Ph.D. in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And joining me tonight on the podcast is Brandon Kraling, and he's editor-in-chief and site expert for Red Reporter, a Cincinnati Reds blog, and uh, he's been so kind to join us this evening, so let's bring him on. Brandon, uh, thanks for joining us here on Mets Musings. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Gary. And the Mets are going to see the the Reds uh, next week as they mm-hmm. travel to Cincinnati and uh you know I got a uh, <laughs> it's been a tough year for both of us and, and yeah uh, I think we're kind of in the same the same boat right now aren't we Yeah and you get to the point uh you get to the end of the season and you wonder uh what the heck else can I talk about but uh let's try to slog through it as we say and yep. uh so the the Reds, you know, they, they, we all know they were in a, in a uh, rebuilding mode, and they actually did start the season pretty well, and then I guess the bottom kind of fell out a little. Uh, take us through that a little bit. Yeah, um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we kind of came into this season really without any expectations, and then, you know, after the first month or two, they, they kind of hung around in the uh, National League Central, and... You know, the Cubs really didn't run away with it to start. And, you know, the Brewers were hanging around. They still are. But um, but as soon as, you know, the end of May, June hit, the Reds just completely fell off fell off the face of the earth. So, uh, yeah, it's been um, – yeah, they had some really bad injury luck once again, as, as seemingly they, they always do. So, um, you know, when you're – you can't stay healthy um, – yeah, it's hard to kind of keep that momentum going, and that's that's kind of how we ended up at the cellar of the NL Central. Well, believe us, we know about injuries here. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, yeah guys no have been going down uh, <laughs> like flies this year. But uh, you know, it, it it seems like they're kind of on the right path, though. Uh, Cincinnati, in doing research uh, for this. Um, mm-hmm. 
There's some guys having some really good years. Joey Votto's having, uh, well, I guess he's having a Joey Votto year, so no <laughs> yeah. big surprise there. Uh, but you got Adam Duvall's got 29 homers, and and uh, uh, Zach Kozar with 17 homers, and an all-star this year. And, yeah, for and the first co- time ever. Yep. And, of course, the big surprise had to be Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, who would have thought? So uh, the Reds picked him up on waivers right before the season started. And, you know, I don't know what the Brewers were thinking, just kind of giving him away for free. But, um, you know, he started off as a bench player for the Reds and has just exceeded all expectations. That obviously culminating in his uh, four-homer game uh, a couple of months ago. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, just amazing. Uh, you know, he was – I thought he was a pretty good, decent play. He had uh, yeah. some good uh, periods of time with Milwaukee, and then he struggled, I guess, last year. And I guess they just gave up on him, and, and Cincinnati made a good pick there. Yeah, they they did their homework and uh, kind of – it was a really under-the-radar type of move. I don't think anyone really – Anyone around baseball even knew that it happened, probably, yeah. until uh, he kind of broke out in, in May and June. So, you know, all credit goes in the world goes to him, though. He you know, really took on that bench role and kind of found at-bats wherever he could, has played all over the diamond this year um, in the infield and outfield, and you know, has really worked his way into the starting lineup. And it's, it's kind of a tough decision for the Reds to make because they still have Zach Cozart at shortstop but they you know as a rebuilding team they want to get playing time to some of these younger guys coming up like Jose Peraza especially who can kind of play both middle infield positions and you know Scooter Jeanette has made it really hard to do that unfortunately Mm. or fortunately depending on how you look at it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, of course uh, uh the Reds uh, traded Jay Bruce last year to the Mets, and they're not really—they yeah. didn't really miss him last year. His replacement, uh, I can't uh, Schleiber, uh, Scott Schebler. Yeah, Schebler. Uh, yep. He's got twenty-four homers as well, so <laughs> he's he's kind of filled that gap. And uh, you know what? What about Dilson Herrera, who came over for the Jay in the Jay Bruce trade? Now he's a second baseman, but he's been injured this year. Anything? Any word on him at all? Yeah, um, I, it's he doesn't really uh, really factor in at the big league level this year. It sounds like it's he's been battling injuries, injuries all year, and he he hasn't actually played since July. So maybe about a little over a month ago was the last time that he was actually in a game, even in AAA. And even then, before that, he really wasn't you know knocking the cover off the ball there either. So um, yeah, it. it I think ever since the Reds acquired him, he has been battling injuries and really just kind of needs to take some time and recover and come back healthy next year. Yeah, and and uh, he was a good player. I mean, uh, you know, uh, yeah. they had him ticketed as a, a starting second baseman here, and yeah, and, uh, high hopes for for him in in New York. Right, right, and I'm sure Cincinnati as well. But look, they, <laughs> you know they they've got the uh, the scooter there. They <laughs> right, yeah. He's he's definitely making it a little bit easier to to give uh, Dilson some more time. 
That's for sure. And it makes your GM look like a genius, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And, of course, behind the plate, uh, you know, high hopes for Devin Marasco again, um, Mazzarocco, and uh, he's hurt again. And this guy just first-round pick, just uh, 15th he, overall. Just the worst luck, yep. The he, worst luck with injury is, is then I've – ever seen a player have i think yeah uh <laughs> he just can't stay healthy yeah it's and it's not the kind of thing where it's you know one nagging injury it, it seems like it's kind of it just kind of bounces around parts of his body until and it sounds like he's he's done for for this season again so um you know hopefully it gives opportunities to other guys. Tucker Barnhart has stepped in and has done a really good job. And, uh, you know, they, they have a rule five catcher by the name of Stuart Turner, who, um, has not really played a ton, but, um, you know, the Reds were carrying three catchers for most of the year. So, uh, he just has been biding his time waiting for, for this moment. So, you know, it's unfortunate to see uh, the Devin Mesoraco, you know, having another season where he can't stay healthy. But um, you know, hopefully it'll give some more guys uh, some at bats. And yeah, it it really is a shame. You hate to see a guy, you know, that uh, is always hurt like that. It's just it's. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. He this this latest one, he he got hit. I think he got hit by a pitch on the foot, and ended up breaking one of his toes. Wow! So it's just another, just kind of a freak injury that you know, it's all the conditioning in the world can't stop you from getting hit by a pitch. So it's unfortunate, but hopefully, hopefully he'll you know be able to heal. It, it sounds like he might come back towards the end of the season but uh you know the reds won't need him back or anything it's not like they're going to be in contention yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> and and you know you wonder at this point why not just you know just take the winter off right and just, yeah at uh, this point i think and you know especially as a rebuilding team you know it's the time to get at bats to all these other young guys coming up the 40-man roster will expand here in september and you know there's a lot there's a lot more guys that the Reds need to see, you know, going forward, especially, you know, if they're going to try and build a contender in, you know, next year or the year after, they need to know what they have in some of these guys. And, you know, when, you know, it's I, as much as I, I like seeing Devin Mesoraco in the lineup, he's a, you know, he's a good player when he's healthy, but, you know, and maybe that gives the opportunity to see what we have in some of these other players. So, I'm hoping that that we get to see more of that, you know, to close out the season. But um, yeah, you kind of you got to feel for the guy. Yeah, you you most certainly have to. And and the defense now looks, uh, it it doesn't look, uh, you know, offensively and defensively, the team looks pretty decent. Right. Uh, I, I I think looking at the stats and stuff. Uh, but of course, the the big thing in this league is pitching. Yep. And. and uh, it's still a, a lot of young guys in your staff and, and the mm-hmm. Homer Bailey on the big contract and he's injured again. Yep. And it, it sounds like he, yeah, he left his start, um, two days ago 
Um, and even since then, you know, he he didn't actually make it back from his off season until August, or I think it was may, maybe late July, um, and then has been on and off since he's been back. Really hasn't really performed to the level that you would expect. You know, a pitcher making a hundred million dollar contract <laughs> to uh, to give you. So it's he. It's definitely been disappointing to see. And and once again, another another injury that we're we're dealing with with him right now. It sounds like he's he, he's tr- going to try and make his uh, next start, but we'll we'll see how long that lasts. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, they're know. calling it an irritation, uh, I believe, in the back of his shoulder. So right, uh, you know, so yeah, three thankfully elbow surgeries. A, thankfully, it's not an elbow, but. Yeah. yeah. Shoulders just as bad sometimes. Yeah, it's, if you're a pitcher, it's oh, you not, not much better. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope there's nothing seriously wrong, man. He does make his next start. But um mm. take us through some of the young pitchers in the rotation, uh so we get an idea of who we may see this week or next week I should say. Yeah, so you know, the the Reds have had all these young pitchers and then they've they had a couple of uh you know, veterans in the rotation, they started the season with uh, Scott Feldman, who they just kind of brought in just as a extra guy and ended up being their opening day starter, given how the rest of the, the injuries have kind of uh, flatlined this pitching staff. But, you know, you still have you still have uh, Anthony DiScafani and Brandon Finnegan are both have been solid pitchers for them in the past that are hurt. So it really does give an opportunity to some of these young pitchers. Um, you know, they've really tried a lot of these guys. Um, they've, I think they've gone through no less than, you know, 13 or 14 different starters so far this year that they've given, given a shot to. And, Right now, it, it sounds like um, at least two of the guys that uh, you guys will see will be uh, former first-round pick Robert Stevenson and uh, another guy by the name of Sal Romano, another fairly high pick that came up. Both of them came up through the red system, and uh, you know both are are hard-throwing righties and um, who have both taken their fair share of lumps so far to start their careers. Um, you know, Stevenson kind of came up last year and got knocked around, had spent some time in the bullpen and, um, is just kind of starting to find his legs. And then, uh, Romano has kind of been going back and forth between, uh, the big leagues and triple a. So, um, you know, as for, as for the best, uh, red starter this year, I would actually probably call that Luis Castillo and not to be confused with the, the former, <laughs> former infielder. Um, but, uh, this, uh, pitchers, he, the, the Reds got him in the off season from the Marlins in, uh, the trade that took Dan Straley to, to Miami. And he has been absolutely awesome. Uh, they brought him up from, uh, double a, to start as a as a 24 year old and uh, really he sits in the high 90s one of the fastest fastballs in the league so far this year and has has really been you know, for Reds fans the only reason to watch uh, you know a Reds starting pitcher you know the the rest of the guys in the rotation can kind of have their have their time but uh, you know Castillo is an absolutely 
a joy to watch pitch. He's a lot of fun. And uh, I think uh, you guys might get to avoid him, uh, thankfully. But uh, I don't I don't know who uh, the, the third the third starter in that game in that series is going to be. It, it looks like it's scheduled to be uh, Asher Wojciechowski, which uh, I don't know. He's a former first-round pick from Toronto and uh, came up in the Astros system. But he, he got knocked around the other day, so there's no telling who the Reds might bring up for that start. So, so we'll, uh, we'll be in suspense. And, uh, of course, uh, in today's game, the bullpen is a big, uh, a big thing. Take us a little bit through mm-hmm. the bullpen. Who's closing now for the Reds? Um, who's the setup guy? You know, who's hot? Who's cold? That kind of thing. Sure, sure. And uh, so Rysel Iglesias has been the far and away the best pitcher on the Red Staff so far this year. Um, you know, there were kind of whispers before the All Star break that he might uh, be a kind of a dark horse candidate there. Um, and there was actually some whispers at the trade deadline that uh, you know one of the contending teams could add him for some bullpen help. But um, obviously, the Reds signed him out of Cuba a couple of years ago as a starter and uh, put him in the bullpen eventually. And he, he has, he's been great. He's uh, coming into today with a 1.88 DRA and uh, 23 saves for a team that doesn't get a ton of save opportunities. So uh, he's really the, the main piece there. Um, you know, other than that, you, you really you have uh, Wandy Peralta, who's a really good story, um, you know, a lefty, throws really hard and is a rookie this year and really came out uh, as a major part of this bullpen. And then uh, another veteran, Drew Storen, who is uh, – uh, the Reds tend to like these guys that are kind of from the area. He's from uh, Indiana, so he's not, not too far from here. But uh, the Reds brought him in on a one-year deal, and uh, he's kind of another, another major arm in the bullpen. Um, and then I would also mention Michael Lorenzen, who um, also had a stint as a starter. And it sounds like the Reds are going to make him a starter next year. Um, but for the time being, he's been um, one of the better arms in the bullpen. But it's, yeah, this bullpen is definitely overworked, overexerted, you know, just with the amount of innings that they've had to take care of with this young starting rotation that, you know, a lot of times they're only going three and four innings in a start. So, um, you know, the Reds actually have keep on shuffling relievers in and out just to keep guys fresh. But, um, yeah, it, there's no telling uh, who who could be up here by the, by the time uh, the Mets come into town. <laughs> and it's not that long away, that far. Away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they they brought two more guys up just for the in the middle of the Cubs series. So, and both of them have already already pitched. So it's definitely it's a revolving door in the Reds rotation or the Reds bullpen right now, I should say. Oh, well, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't really shouldn't laugh because it's pretty much the same thing going on here um, this season. But uh, you know, if there's anything positive to take out of uh, the, the years that both the teams are having, is that a lot of these young guys are getting valuable uh, major league experience, and you know, as fans and and as the organization gets a look to see what they have. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to to say, oh, this guy's going to, you know, he's great in the minors. But sometimes it doesn't always translate to the big leagues. And look, mm-hmm. they're getting a chance this year. And they're getting a chance uh, um, in playing against teams that are in pennant races. So they're getting to see the best rather than, you know, when a September call up. When there's a, when he, let's face it, the, the rosters get a little uh, watered down um, from, from all the teams. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's a great thing to see. And, you know, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head with, you know, just getting to kind of see what you have is, is a valuable thing for these, uh, these rebuilding teams right now. And if, you know, if the team is going to be good next year, you know exactly what you have. And these guys are now battle tested with big league, uh, pitching or big league hitting, depending on, you know, what side of the ball they're on. But, yeah, it's there's there's definitely some positives left left in the season. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. The guy I always bring up is guys like Robert Stevenson and Cody Reed, who are guys that you know, were really highly touted prospects of the Red System and came up last year and absolutely got their clocks cleaned by major league uh, hitters. And you know, now we're starting to see Stevenson get comfortable a little bit and learn how to pitch. And you know, if you know, for the Reds' perspective, if they're going to be good in you know two or three years, he's going to be a big part of that, and that's something that you know, it's you have to, he has to take his lumps now as opposed to, you know, just bringing him up and getting him knocked knocked around when the rest of the team around him is good. So, yeah, it, it's you know, you know the, the Mets uh, had a guy uh, they they brought up a, they needed a pitcher they brought up a guy from Double uh, A because they really didn't have much Triple A and uh, Chris Flexen and mm-hmm. uh, he got bombed the first couple of games but the first game he pitched he was at home you know in his hometown oh uh, yeah so he had all the family there so you know and plus you got the the excitement of being in the majors and that pressure and everything. The second game he pitched was in Colorado, where the ball flies out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I put down this last couple of starts. He's pitched well. He, he's you know got three and uh, three wins now, two losses, but he's pitched better, and maybe he's settling in a little bit, you know. And right, um, and that you know you can't pay for that experience. I, I always said that when the Mets went to the World Series two years ago and they lost, but mm-hmm. the young players, the young pitching staff that you hope is they could stay healthy you're going to be around for a number of years you know got the taste of a pennant race and got the taste of a world right. series and the playoffs and everything so now the next time it's not going to be that awestruck uh you know deer in the right. headlight thing because they'll it, it's a matter of business now so exactly uh, the nerves aren't going to be hitting them as hard Exactly, sure. exactly. And the same thing for these young players now when they come up mm-hmm. during the year and they can see what they want to do. Uh, Billy Hamilton, what mm-hmm. kind of year is he in? The big knock about him was what everybody always wondered, is he going to be able to hit to keep up with his speed? And what kind of year is he having? You know, he's he's definitely had an up-and-down year. Um, you know, he has been going through some some hot streaks, going through some cold streaks. He's... Still not getting on base to the point where you're happy with it, especially if he's going to be you know, leading off for the team. Um, and he's not really been hitting super great lately. I think he's only hitting uh, he's hitting 216 in the last month of uh, of games. 
And but you know he's definitely the the type of player who can affect your team in other ways. You know, obviously on the base paths, as as everyone knows, with his speed. But you know, his defense is uh, you know world class in center field. But yeah, I I think that you know as a Reds fan, I would have liked to seen more from him so far this year. You know, I think that having this kind of year is a good thing for him just to kind of take, take these at bats and learn from them and keep getting better and, you know, keep spending time with Joey Votto and hope something rubs off on him. But, you know, as far as getting on base goes, but, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I would love to see him get on base more before we can call him kind of a solidly good big league player. And uh, you mentioned, and we spoke earlier about Joey Votto, of course, having a great year. Uh, mm-hmm. 33 homers, 88 RBI, 314 average going as, as I let when I last looked. Um, that contract's bad, but uh, boy, that guy can hit and uh, is, is terrific defensively as well. Yep. And, you know, as, as big as that contract is, you know, when you really break down the value that uh that he's given you as i don't know you know how into the advanced statistics and stuff you in your audience are but you know the wins above replacement metrics that kind of look mm-hmm. at a player's value i mean joey vado is outperforming even as much as he's making per year so it's it's awesome to watch he's such a such a cerebral player and uh i i think that I'm thrilled that he's staying in Cincinnati. It's uh, I don't really have too many uh, hangups with the contract at this point. You know, obviously there's still a long way to go with it, but um, you know, from what we've seen uh, this year, he's as good as he's ever been uh, at the plate, and uh, hopefully he can continue. And when the Reds are good again, hopefully uh, he'll be a big part of that. Well, steer me straight on this because he always looks like he's so grumpy and grouchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, what kind of guy <laughs> is he with the, around his teammates? I guess he's. You on- know, I I think that he does kind of put a lot of that on just for the cameras and stuff. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> always he's always been kind of described as more of a quiet guy around the clubhouse, although. I will say over the past year, year and a half, um, after you know it became clear that the Reds were going to start rebuilding again, um, I think he's taken up more of a vocal leadership role in the clubhouse. And you kind of have seen the departure of some of the other previous vocal leaders that the Reds have had, like you know your Todd Frazier, Brandon Phillips, and even Jay Bruce mm-hmm. to an extent. And uh, you know it's um, it's cool to see him kind of coming into his own as a leader and uh you know i've seen stories now about some of the other uh you know reds hitters trying to get time with him in in the cage like billy hamilton is a great example of a guy who's just kind of doing his best right now to study the way that joey vado goes about uh you know taking his game on but yeah it it does it does kind of uh look like he's not enjoying himself uh, to to the extent where he should be 
as a major leaguer. But uh, you know, I think that I one of the one of the fun things that he's been doing this year is just kind of trying to get out opposing fans. And um, you know, we saw it uh, last week in Chicago where he. You know, had a had a foul ball hit to him, and then he he tried to throw it out of the stadium. It's like, it's the kind of thing where you you don't really know what to expect from Joey Votto. He's just kind of all over the place, but um, you know, he's not not going to be the like the number one prankster in the clubhouse. But who, he's kind of an under the radar fun player to have on your team. Oddly enough. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as we said, the rebuilding mode. What's their next step of a, of a will? Do you think they'll try to sign any free agents to fill in any, any spots or are they going to just keep going in a rebuilding mode? And uh, um, what do you think the plans are for next year? You know, I, I think that, you know, they're going to do the best that they can this year to figure out what they have on in a couple of these players you know we we have a bunch of players coming off the books at the end of this year um like you know zach cozart um is out of contract after this year um he got unfortunately got hurt before the deadline so they couldn't do anything to kind of shed themselves of that but uh there's it's very unlikely that he'll be back next year um the reds are still paying brandon phillips to play second base for the Braves. And so that's, that's coming off, uh, this year as for, as for making a big splash in free agency. Um, you know, it's never really been the red style. They're definitely fall into that small market mentality where they, they try to bring their players up from within and, you know, they, they'll break the bank when they have to for, you know, a Joey Votto type player or, you know, at the time, uh, the Homer Bailey contract probably looked better than it does today. But um, you know, it's they're they're still a couple of years away from making that that move to get the last piece. I think you know, when you're a small market team, you can spend that money if it's the difference between you know being in the playoffs or being in the world series. Right. But, you know, if you're, if you're the reds and, you know, next, if next year you're projecting to be a 79 win team, then, you know, if making a big splash in free agency and giving a hundred million dollar contract out brings you to 83 wins, it's probably not worth it. So, you know, I, I think that they, they'll probably continue to stay the course. I think that, you know, they have a surplus of, players at all kinds of different positions right now and it'll be really interesting to see how they approach that you know they they have obviously you know as you mentioned adam duvall and uh scott shebler who are both in the corner outfield right now and both of them are having career years but you still have jesse winker who's been the Reds number one outfield prospect for a long time. And, you know, they need to find a solution to that, that problem. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but you know, if you're a rebuilding team, you need to make sure that you're, you know, spending your resources as wisely as you can. And if that means maybe trading Adam Duvall at the end of the season to, to try and, and, you know, get peak value for him, uh, then that's what the Reds will have to do. But, 
Yeah, I, I see a couple of those shrewd like shrewd type moves in mm-hmm. the in the offseason, but yeah, definitely not a big splash. Um, yeah, but yet you never know. It's it's baseball. It's <laughs> it's proved us wrong before, right? That's right. The, <laughs> the right deal comes along, and, and you have to take right. it, right? You, but you never know. That's right. All right. Well, uh, it was. Uh, it, it should be a very interesting uh, three game series, and then of course, then the Reds come here for four in, uh, I guess, the second week of uh, September. So uh, we'll be seeing a lot of the Cincinnati in the next few weeks, and uh, yep. and that ballpark. The Mets like that ballpark. They hit pretty well there. Yeah. Perhaps we can. I think think everybody likes that ballpark (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) why did they build such a small ballpark (laughs) oh it's it's who knows but yeah the reds of well when they when they built the ballpark they had uh adam dunn and ken griffey jr on the team and so they that that short porch in right field was intentional. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, they tailored it for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, I want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. And uh, if you'd like to plug uh, Red Reporter, go ahead. Tell the folks where they can uh, read your stuff. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can come and uh, see us at redreporter.com. Uh, we're part of the SB Nation Network. And uh, we we do have a, a podcast of our own on uh, iTunes. Uh, search for the Red Reporter Podcast. We try to do as often as we can, although there really hasn't been much to talk about lately. And uh, we're tweeting at Red Reporter, so uh, you can find us there too. Very good. And uh, yeah, Thanks again. for having me on, Gary. It was a lot of fun. Same here, and uh, we'll talk again uh, in the future, I hope. And uh, we will be back right after this message. Check us out at MetsMusings.com and find the Mets Musings podcast on Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, iTunes, Flipboard, and at BaseballPodcasts.net. That's BaseballPodcasts with an S, dot net. Five one six six one nine six three four one. That is the comment voicemail hotline. If you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail question, anything at all. Call that number five one six six one nine six three four one, or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at MetsMusings1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash MetsMusings. And we're back. 
And that sound must mean it's time to go down on the farm and take a look what's going on down in the minor leagues for the Mets this year. Mets pitching prospect Drew Smith struck out seven of eight hitters he faced on Saturday for Double A Binghamton as he continues to roll with his new team. Smith, 23, who arrived from the Tampa Bay Rays in the Lucas Duda trade, has a 1.00 ERA and a 0.67 whip with 10 strikeouts over nine innings since joining Binghamton on July 27th. Right-hand reliever Jacob Rames, who the Mets received from the Dodges in exchange for Curtis Grandison, is now the team's number 23-ranked prospect, according to MLB.com. Rames' ranking is the highest among all the prospects the Mets have received while trading Grandison, Duda, Reed, Jay Bruce, and Neil Walker over the last few weeks. Like a number of young players we got, he's a right-handed pitcher who throws hard, Mets GM Sandy Alderson said, according to Newsday. He's close to Major League ready. Hopefully we see him either in September or in spring training. We're very happy we got him. Very interesting with that. We'll see how he is. And here's a, a note. On Saturday, Mets prospect Anthony Kay, the second-round draft pick uh, from last year's draft, threw off the mound for the first time since he underwent Tommy John surgery last October. The Mets had discovered Kay suffered from a torn UCL shortly after the team made him their second-first-round draft pick, 31st overall. This led to Kay not only having the Taj Tommy John surgery, but also an underslot signing bonus. Kay needing the surgery caused some to shine a light on how he was used in college. As Keith Lore of ESPN noted, UConn was not as protective of the young left-handed's arm as they needed to be. In one instance, Kay was left in an 18-1 game to face 36 batters, which is a staggeringly high total for the majors let alone Division One baseball. There was another instance where Kay threw 90 pitches on three days rest. In his prior start, Kay had thrown 101 pitches. How Kay was used is certainly not uncommon for the collegiate ranks. Uh, due to his injury, Kay has not pitched for any of the Mets minor league affiliates, and it's not anticipated he will pitch for one before the close of the 2000 season. Uh, however, there is a chance Kay could participate in the instructional leagues. So we'll have to see whether he makes it to that. Uh, Kay was scheduled to be with the Cyclones last year. And, of course, um, did they, when they discovered he needed his Tommy John surgery, he never made an appearance with them. So perhaps he will be with them next year. My guess is that he'll go to the minor league. He'll go to the instructional league. Maybe even go to the Arizona League. They'll they'll play it uh, by ear and see how that goes. Then go to spring training. Probably will break camp with, let's say, Columbia perhaps and see how he fares there. If he struggles, he could be sent back down to Brooklyn when their season starts in June. So they'll get him up and running in uh April when when Columbia starts their season and they can always send him down a notch if he's struggling at Columbia. 
Uh, Josh Edgen has a torn meniscus and has been sent to New York to meet with doctors to discuss the next course of action in his treatment. Orthoscopic surgery remains a possibility for Edgen. He is with the Las Vegas 51s. Uh, one that could help the 51s bullpen is Kelly Seacrest, who is getting called up from Binghamton to Las Vegas. Other Mets promoted uh, this past week. Adonis Usita, he is having a, do a dominant year in his first full season as a reliever and will now be part of the AA Binghamton Rumble Ponies bullpen. Usita started the season with the Columbia Fireflies making 29 appearances, pitching to a 1.26 ERA. He was perfect 11 for 11 in save opportunities with the Fireflies, pitching a total of 43 innings. He allowed just 23 hits, 16 walks over those 43 innings, pitching to 0.91 whip and striking out 47 batters. You see, to own, earn the promotion to the St. Lucie Mets, was even better in his short stint there in 10.2 innings. He pitched to a 0.84 ERA and a 0.75 whip. Opponents hit just 143 against the righty while he struck out 15. And he is on a meteoric rise uh, through this organization, pitching in three, org three affiliate teams in one season. Started with Columbia, went to St. Lucie, and now is going to Columbia, uh, Binghamton for the, the stretch run and, of course, the Eastern League playoffs. And... Uh, his uh, arm, he's got a, he's a hard thrower. He pitches between 96 and 99 miles per hour, and he will join other hard throwing relievers, Drew Smith and Tyler Bershaw in the Rumble Ponies bullpen, ready for the Eastern League playoffs, as I said. Uh, St. Lucie first baseman and former Cyclone Peter Alonzo was promoted to double-A Binghamton where he will help the Rumble Ponies again with their push for the postseason. Alonzo's had a good year. He hit 286 with uh, 23 doubles, 16 homers, and 59 RBI, 58 RBI. His 16 homers was tied for first in the Florida State list. He was also top 10 in a number of other power categories and uh, twice was named the Florida League Player of the Week June 25th and July 23rd, and he was the player of the month for the month of July. So a lot of promotions, a lot of guys moving through the, the organization, as I said. There is some talent there. It's not totally without talent. It's just at the lower levels. Uh, pitching, especially St. Lucie with um, Justin Dunn and um, these young relievers now, um, as the Mets get ready for 2018 and beyond. Uh, but we still have some baseball left, and the Mets will hit the road for, I think, what is it, uh, 10 games? Start with a four-game set in Washington. Always not good. And the way they're playing this year, it's really not good. <laughs> Then they had three in Cincinnati, and uh, we'll be back uh, before the next series after that when they go to Houston. So that's the way it shapes up as the Mets hit the road now, and uh, they'll come back to City Field sometime in September, I think September 4th, and uh, to play the Phillies. And they'll have the Phillies and the Reds, so 
you know, we gotta we gotta get to, to at least sixty three wins, folks. We don't wanna lose a hundred in Terry's final year. And that's gonna wrap it up for the show. I hope you'll join me again next week. And remember, stay optimistic, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go mess.